Novel Mongo podcast, where we go behind the scenes in the cheese world to chat with the people making, selling, or distributing your favorite specialty food products. I'm your host, Janae Muha, certified cheese professional, longtime cheesemonger, and producer advocate. If you've ever had the pleasure of joining us for an American Cheese Society conference, Rachel Perez has surely zipped by you on her way to her next commitment. From international cheese ambassador to distributor to cheesemonger, Rachel has worn many of the hats that can be worn in the cheese industry. As the current chair of the Judging and Competition Committee for ACS, she's leading the charge for some big changes this year after a two-year-long hiatus. We discuss all the details to give you a better insight into what JNC does. Get ready, because we pack a lot of info into this episode. My name is Rachel Perez. Uh, I am the National Sales Director for Cowgirl Creamery and Tomas Bay Foods. Um, I am also the chair of the American Cheese Society Judging Competition. Um, I've been working with uh, the Judging Competition Committee for a decade, um, which is one of my great passions. Um, I love to make sense of chaos and judging competition certainly starts as chaos and then progressively makes sense. Uh, I started in cheese uh, right out of college. Um, I worked at a bakery in Boston called uh, Flower Bakery and uh, my kitchen was right down the street. And one of my good friends from the bakery transitioned from bakery to cheese and convinced me to go over to Fromagier Kitchen. I think I got the job actually because my dad is French and I managed to pronounce two thirds of the cheeses that were on uh, on what we call the cheese wall, which um, I think basically is what, what got me into cheese. But um, as you know, once you get into cheese, it's hard to get out, you know, it just kind of sucks you in. And um, that was 2006. So I can't even count how many years ago that was. Um, That's a long time. <laughs> Um, but, and like, I love that it is, you know, our, our paths cross in cheese in sort of this very intertwined way. Um, I know that your friend Linnea was my boss at Whole Foods in London. Um, and, you know, just to kind of make those connections is, um, is always kind of crazy and a lot of fun. And you've worked kind of like every level of cheese too, from distributor to cheesemaker, cheesemonger. So you've kind of done a little bit of everything, right? Yeah, so I, you know, I started as a cheesemonger. That was sort of my first hook into cheese. Um, I worked for Fromage Kitchen, like I said, uh, which is an independent grocery store in, in Boston. Um, and then I worked for Whole Foods for seven years. I moved to London with Whole Foods, which is where I met our friend Linnea. Shout out to Linnea. Um, and then I came back to the States. I moved back to New York and worked for World's Best Cheese on the East Coast. Um, I then got tired of winter and kind of wanted to change. So I came out West and worked for an independent grocer in San Francisco called Canyon Market. Um, and then from there kind of circled back, uh, deep into cheese. I became French cheese ambassador. My friend Cecile had had the job before me and she, um, had recommended me for the job. She was kind of tired of traveling the country, pushing French cheese. Um, so I did that. And then... Uh, worked for Tony's Fine Foods and finally for Cowgirl. So yeah, I've worked for producers, domestic, international, big companies, small companies, kind of done, done the whole cross section of things. That's awesome. 
How did you get involved with JNC and the American Cheese Society? So I had left World's Best Cheese um, in 2010 and the American Cheese Society happened to be in Montreal that year. And my younger sister lives in Montreal. Um, and I decided it was probably a really good place to network. Um, so I signed up to volunteer, um, basically signed up for every single shift, every single day and showed up sort of for the first day of orientation. And um, at the time, Michelle Harum was uh, running JNC. And so she had her little clipboard and um, you know we're walking around the convention center and she goes, who's the one who worked for, for World's Best Cheese? Raise your hand. So I kind of put my hand up. She goes, we're gonna put you in a truck. So uh, me and uh, Tom Coyman were in the trucks. So uh, what we've done, is basically when we receive cheese for a competition, we have about 2000 entries, a little under 2000 entries. We have these giant refrigerated trailers that we store all our cheese in. So they're lined up with speed racks and sheet trays and all the cheeses uh, really cataloged in um, those refrigerated trailers. And so my job and Tom's job was to basically each take half of the entries organize them in these trucks by um, anonymous nomenclature. So we have sort of a, a little coding system that we use, organize them in the trucks and uh, get them in and out, you know, inventory them and get them out for, for judging and then back in the cooler um, for after judging. So the tricky thing about Montreal was because we were going across the border, all of the cheese was consolidated I think it was in Vermont. It might've been in Maine, though. but basically they consolidated the cheese on the U.S. side of the border and then just trucked it all over at once. So normally, you know, in, in normal years when we're in the United States, our cheese orders kind of trickle in over, over a day or two. Uh, but in Montreal, everything arrived all at once. So it was kind of a panic to receive everything, get everything sorted and then get it in the trucks. Um, but it was a ton of fun. I got hooked um, and, you know, got to hang out with uh, the great people on our committee and as um, conference was wrapping up, I got a call from Michelle Lee, who um, used to be our, our staff liaison, asking if I wanted to join the committee. Um, and I said yes. And, you know, 10 years later, now I'm now I'm chair of the committee. So it's a it's a path, <laughs> yeah, exactly. a long one, but a really fun one. But I mean, you've kind of had the same thing. And I think, you know, I think what we try to do in judging competition really is it's really important for us that um, you know, folks who get involved with judging competition can see the back end and also the front end. So what we always try to do is, you know, particularly if you're in the coolers, it's a, it's a lot of physical work, it's a lot of mental work to try to get it all set. And we, we always try, as long as you don't work for a cheesemaker, to set you up to judge in a future year once you um, do that, that work of being uh, a cooler captain, which I think is a really nice way for us to sort of pay it forward and give people a lot of sort of insight into how judging competition works. There's so many moving parts that I don't think people realize like how much is going on back there. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's one of the things that like, I felt very accomplished at one point when um, we started, um, we'd have calls and people would talk about categories. And I'm almost at the point now to which I know most of our categories by heart. So if somebody talks about category K, I know what that is. And I remember my first few calls being like, what are these people talking about? And I would have a list of our, our entry categories next to me so I could try to follow along and understand what people were saying. I'm not there. 
like, and I've been on the committee for a couple of years now and I'm still like, I don't, I don't know. I think you probably know most of them. <laughs> I know them when I see them. That's all. I know how it's organized and that's all that matters to me. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Fed I always forget the category and I always think I confuse like international and a lot of things like that. I always get a little confused about. So we haven't had, um, we haven't had judging for the last two years. We were really hoping to have it last year and it just didn't quite pan out. Um, but we are moving in towards um, May at in Minneapolis. So can you talk about the decision to separate uh, competition from conference and kind of what went into that and why, we, why we're doing that this year? Yeah. Um, you know, uh, I think the thing, the thing that a lot of people don't necessarily realize about competition and conference in years past is, you know, our committee gets into town when, when the two were together, our committee would get into town a week before conference even started. We would get into town and, you know, set up receiving, receive all the cheese, get everything organized, do all the judging and all of that happened before conference even started. And so, you know, we, we started calling our hotel rooms our homes because we were there for literally 10 days. Um, and, you know, I mean, part of it, I think, was for, for our committee um, in particular, you know, by the time conference started, we were already exhausted. Like we had done all this work. It's, you know, 12, 14 hour days um, for us to, to put on the competition. So, um, you know, that was a big piece of it. The other big piece of it is in order to have a competition and a conference, we needed to rent out um, the, the loading docks of these convention centers for those 10 days because we had to have all the cheese for the competition and the conference, uh, which really limited us in scope of um, convention centers that we could use. So we had moved to a point like kind of a tipping point where we were too big to run the conference in a hotel, but really too small to take on a full conference center. So we're sort of in this like gray area where we're too big for one thing, but too small for another. Um, and so we ended up moving into, um, you know, these convention centers in, in sort of smaller cities. So places like Sacramento, places like Des Moines, um, you know, and then every once in a while we'd throw in kind of a big city, you know, we went to Denver, we're going to Portland, things like that. Um, and, you know, the, the finance piece of it kind of, you know, wouldn't really work out where when we were in the smaller cities, you know, it was very affordable, but then we, you know, had to spend a ton of money to get into big cities. So um, the, the board of directors um, decided, you know, in part, you know, the, the championing of the judging competition committee that it was a good idea to start to separate. Um, there's a whole host of reasons also, you know, I think for one of, one of my dreams for cheesemakers is if we have a competition separate from conference, we have the opportunity to have the competition in the same place every single year. And having that predictability is really beneficial um, in my opinion, uh, around things like logistics, where, you know, if we are in Minneapolis every year moving forward for the same dates, we can potentially work with cheesemakers, with guilds to sort of create consolidation points across the state where cheesemakers can um, truck their cheese in instead of having to FedEx it overnight. So that was a big piece for me. Um, and then uh, the other thing that we are really looking to do is, yeah, create that consistency um, and also give uh, the, the conference the opportunity to sort of 
make a little bit more money and, um, well, I, I should say lose less money, not necessarily make money, but certainly lose less money um, and um, help cheesemakers be able to showcase their cheese, um, their winning cheese throughout the conference. So what we're doing this year also that's going to be different is uh, we're opening the conference with the award ceremony. So the first thing that happens is the award ceremony. That way we can celebrate our winners throughout the entire conference. I'm excited about that. It's going to be fun watching everybody walk around with their little ribbons all weekend and we get to celebrate them the entire time instead of just like on one big night. I know it's like a blink of an eye. I feel like, you know, it it was great the way we closed the the conference with, um, you know, the award ceremony. It was sort of like all this anticipation sort of built up, but now we sort of start at this high point and then can just keep going higher rather than sort of going down at the end. Um, I think it's a big thing that people don't really realize how much work we put into reinventing the wheel every year by going to a different convention center. And we spend as, um, and for those that don't know, I'm also on the judging and competition committee. Um, but we spend a lot of our year just working out the logistics of how we're going to receive everything in a different place. So I think it is a kind of big deal that we can start having that real consistency, every year and not have to spend so much of our time just focusing on the logistics. Cause once we get that down, it's going to be a no brainer. And then we can focus on all of the other things and like getting more efficient and really working on doing what's best for the cheesemakers. Exactly. Yeah. Um, I think, you know, I think people don't necessarily realize our, you know, our committee meets every week for an hour for, I want to say it's 45 weeks a year. So, you know, we try to, we try to take November and December off as much as we can, because we all work in cheese and have to deal with the holidays. But other than that, our committee meets every week for at least an hour, once a week to be able to, you know, really reinvent the wheel every single, every single year. Um, So you're right. Having that consistency is going to be huge for us. Sometimes we don't even get a chance to see the spot beforehand. We're looking at pictures and like somebody else's video of trying to figure out how we're going to make this work. So it's not, there's a lot that happens on site that we're like, oh, okay, this is a little bit different than what we were thinking. And yeah, there's a lot of, it's a lot of fine tuning that we're just not really going to have to worry about as much anymore. Right. Yeah. We've had, we've had years where we had to like build our own ramps off the trucks because, you know, there was a, eight inch gap between where the truck was and where the loading dock was. So, you know, things like that are things that, you know, our committee is used to dealing with. We get different trucks every year. So, you know, we've had years, like we have to buy lights so that we could string lights in our trucks, all sorts of little random things that we've always had to deal with that. Um, I think that consistency of being in the same place, is just going to ease the burden on, uh, on our committee. And really, like you said, um, you know, be able to, to make a, a competition that is just going to be top notch for, for our cheesemakers, which is really why we do it. So other things uh, with judging and competition is changing too. Can you talk about any of the other things that we're doing, like new software, new whatever? All sorts of new software, new dates. Um, so I think that, you know, the biggest thing is that because the competition is separate from conference, we actually push the competition up. So competition is going to be May 18th and May 19th, 2022 this year. Uh, we wanted to do it in, in um, the early spring. We felt that that was the best time to do it. Um, you know, in part, Q4 is kind of out of the question for a lot of us because we have day jobs that we need to um, execute in Q4. So we sort of took that out of the picture. 
Um, and then, you know, with a bunch of trade shows going on, you know, it, winter time didn't really work for us. So we sort of felt like spring was really the best time to have a competition. Um, and it, it just so happened to work out that um, the venue that we were going to be at this year, we are at the um, University of Minnesota football stadium. Uh, we are able to use that space because it's the off season for, for football also. Um, they have a ton of refrigeration for us, so we don't need to worry about trucks, which is also really exciting. Um, so, you know, certainly the, the, the date change has a lot of ramifications. Um, entries are open right now. All you cheesemakers out there, please enter your cheeses into our competition. Uh, the, the entry forms are open right now. Um, and then the other big, big change that we are working on for this year is we have new software. So we used to do everything manually. And where I mean manually is like each of our judges would get a piece of paper to handwrite out their scores and their comments. We would then sort of scan them into a computer. Uh, we had a whole crew of people who had to audit all the scores to make sure that, you know, our judges are telling their scores right. You'd think that all these, you know, bright professors and, you know, fabulous um, folks in the cheese industry know how to use a calculator, but you'd be surprised how many times we've had to send score sheets back to judges because they just didn't add it up right. Um, so a lot of what we're doing this year is we're automating a lot of things. We are working with a new um, software called AwardForce, um, which um, as you enter your cheese, you enter it in the back end of AwardForce. And then, uh, you know, we bring the whole thing so that our judges can do all of their um, judging on a tablet online. Um, you know, all of the, the calculations are going to be automated, which is going to be huge. We don't need to use all that paper, which, you know, as we try to move, um, you know, greener, I think is going to be huge. Um, and I think in the long term, what we're looking to do is, you know, we do have the ability to have QR codes through um, Award Force. You know, at some point, we'd love to be able to move away from our old um, sticker labeling, which was very manual, um, but very helpful for our committee because we sort of know how everything goes. At some point, I think we're going to probably look into using those QR codes to track everything. So this year in particular, we're basically just using those QR codes to receive. So um, to anyone out there who's ever done receiving with us, you'll see a bunch of folks on our competition with these like telephone size or telephone book size notebooks with all of our entries in there that we would manually check off. Uh, the ability to have that QR code where it's going to upload automatically for us is going to be huge to be able to receive cheese in real time and get it back in the fridge right away so that it's really at its peak. Um, the other great thing about Award Force is, um, you know, this year all our cheesemakers do need to enter all their that information, you know, your plant license, your FDA numbers, you know, your cheesemakers, your contacts, all that sort of stuff. But moving ahead after 2022, all of that info is going to be archived. So if, you know, as long as you don't have new cheese in theory, you can just sort of make a copy of your, um, your entry year after year and it should really simplify the, the entering process. We're moving into new era. We're a little bit nervous about it. I mean, it's really interesting. You know, our committee is like, we're, we're sort of in this like, like paradox where, you know, on the one hand, we are so excited about this, but all we've ever known is this sort of manual way of doing things. So trying to reconcile doing um, a competition in a, you know, more technologically advanced way in a more progressive way, we see the benefits of it, but I think we still sort of hold on to a lot of those old manual systems kind of like our banky. It's like, we've always done it this way and, you know, we see the benefits, but like to be able to actually transform it, I think it's going to be really exciting for us. 
I'm, I'm super excited because I think it's going to make things so much easier for everybody involved. So I'm super excited. And then, you know, we have, we have a couple of folks on our, um, on our committee who are, um, certified in lean management. So, um, I'm really excited about, um, being able to, uh, you know, be more, more lean forward, um, in, in how we do things. You know, we used to take a lot of steps to be able to receive stuff and we sort of condensed our receiving line so that, you know, we can just sort of slide trays up and down, um, and really sort of minimize the, um, the, the physical time that we do um, to be able to make things a lot more efficient. So kind of pairing sort of ideas around lean efficiencies and then this sort of technological um, database, I think is going to be huge for, for us as a committee to be able to um, really bring our competition to the next level. I agree. I mean, I've been a part of this for quite a few years now. And so I know how streamlined we have it already, even as a very manual system. So I'm really excited to see how we can streamline it even more and make it like super efficient and like the best competition out there. It already is, but. (laughs) I was going to say, I think we might be a little biased, but um, I think it really is. So how can people get involved? So, um, you know, we always need volunteers. Um, you know, it takes, it takes a village to receive 2000 entries. We have to receive everything. We have to get it in the fridges. We have to inventory it. And then, you know, we have 44 teams of judges. We need volunteers to be able to help us sort of move through the process. Um, so if you, if, if anybody out there is able to come out to Minneapolis and, um, volunteer with us, that is really the best way to get involved. Um, I know that's how you started with that's how I started with a competition. So really, really volunteering is the best way to get your foot in the door. Um, you know, reach out to our committee. We have, we have a ton of work that we need to do. Um, I've outsourced a little bit of my work. I'm not going to lie. We are trying to um, set standards of excellence for our judges um, so that when they get a category, they, um, we just, we're just trying to frame their, um, their palettes essentially for what they're looking for in each category. Um, so we need some help, um, you know, getting some of those, those standards of excellence written out. Um, we work cross-functionally too with a lot of the other committees, um, involved in, uh, ACS. We've reached out to the guild committee to, you know, make sure that all the cheesemakers in the guilds know that competition is open. Um, that's a really good way to get involved. Um, and then at conference too, you know, the best thing to do is kind of come up to our, uh, our committee members and uh, introduce yourself, say hi. Um, and yeah, again, you know, if, if you're able to come out to Minneapolis and see this, it is, it is amazing to see a, um, a competition actually happen from start to finish. How did you first get involved? What, what, what brought you into uh, judging the competition? So my first conference was uh, Seattle and then I missed a couple years. Uh, the Montreal one was one that I was really sad to miss because I love Montreal. It's one of my favorite cities. Um, but then um, I had gotten my CCP in Madison and the next year I, it was in Sacramento and I really wanted to go, but nobody was going to pay for me to go <laughs> besides myself. So I decided I was going to go and just volunteer all week and just kind of see where that led me. And I, volunteered with judging and competition as, um, 
I can't remember if I was back. I think I did one day at back of the house and one day in judging. I can't remember exactly how that worked out, but I did some of that. And then I just volunteered all week and I just got addicted to it. I met so many people and it was such a fun experience of just like doing the work and then like talking to the person next to you and getting to know their cheese story. And you're like, Oh, you're a cheesemaker from one of my favorite cheese companies. Wow. Like it was just such a cool experience and a great way to network that I had never really even considered before, but I'd only been to like a couple of conferences. So it wasn't like I had been to so many, but it was just like, wow, this is a way for me to like really get in touch with the industry in a way that I just wasn't at the time. So once I started volunteering the next year, I was the official cheesemonger for the conference in Providence and then cooler captain and judge just kind of kept going and kept going until now here we are. It hooks you in. It's like once you start, you can't stop. And I I mean, I think the other thing that's really interesting is, you know, we are, we are very cognizant that, you know, cheesemongers don't make a lot of money that, you know, it is, it is an expense to come out and do this. Um, But I think, I think for you and for me, um, you know, the the rewards that you get out of it are are incredible. I mean, the the connections that I have made with, um, you know, with cheesemakers, with distributors, with, you know, other cheesemongers, the ability to be able to just talk to people openly about cheese who, you know, might have a similar experience in a completely different area of the country is absolutely incredible. Um, And I also think, you know, now that, you know, things like Airbnb have popped up that, you know, it really actually is a lot more affordable that you don't need to spend, you know, a week in a hotel um, and spend thousands of dollars to go out there. Um, Was it somewhere there, there was a monger house in, I think we do it every year. (laughs) We do it every year. Yeah. (laughs) But you know, like, you know, find a group of mongers and, you know, get a house, you know, you can spend 30, 40, $50 a night and come out. And, you know, we don't, we don't need folks out there for, you know, from start to finish. If you can come out for a day, if you can come out for two days, you know, and any bit of time that you can um, offer, come help us. It just helps us tremendously. Um, so what are some important deadlines people need to know? So, um, like we talked about before, uh, the call for entries is open right now. Um, if you go to cheesesociety.org, uh, you go over to the competition tab at the top of the bar, um, and that'll give you all of the instructions that you need for uh, competition entry. Um, early bird entries, I believe, are open for another week or so. Um, and then we move into regular registration. So it's about $75 to enter your cheese um, at the, the regular rate. And then it's $100 at a late rate. Late entries are open till mid-January. Um, we, we opened our, um, our call for entries is a little longer this year just to be able to get the word out to cheesemakers since, you know, we've fallen out of habit for the last couple of years since there hasn't been a competition. And also because, um, because we're at a different time of year, we have to bump up our timeline. Our call for entries used to be in early spring, um, and we had to bump it up in part so that our committee can also take a little bit of time off in Q4 to do our jobs um, and then come back in, in January and do um, category review. I think that's something that a lot of people don't realize is our committee spends a tremendous amount of time reviewing every single entry to make sure it's in the right category um, and just you know fine tuning everything to make sure that you know what you entered is in the right place so that, you know, your, your cheese will perform the best that it possibly can in its category. So, you know, that takes a tremendous amount of time. I think we, we divvy up where we each get five or six subcategories to um, 
go over and review. And then, you know, if we have questions, we come back as a committee and um, talk about it collectively, bounce ideas off of each other. Um, and then, um, you know, then, then it's all about, you know, getting our judging teams together, setting flights, things like that. So, um, so again, all of that basically moved up our timelines this year. So call for entries is open till mid-January. Um, what else is going on with us? Um, you know, we, we've gotten a few calls. I've gotten a few people reach out who are interested in volunteering already. Um, I think there'll be more information coming out in the new year about how to get involved, who to sign up with, all that sort of stuff. So um, look for communication from the American Cheese Society about that. Um, and then, um, like I said before, you know, competition is May 18th and 19th. Our committee gets out there, um, you know, at the beginning of the week. So the 18th and 19th are a Thursday and a Friday. Uh, we get out there Sunday and Monday to set everything up. Um, so we, you know, everything's, the timeline's a little different this year. In part, we wanted to receive earlier in the week so that cheesemakers do have a little bit more flexibility. In the past, we used to receive on Thursdays and Fridays and then judge Monday, Tuesday. This year, we've turned it on its head where we'll receive Tuesday and Wednesday and judge Thursday, Friday. And we're hoping that also gives cheesemakers a little bit more flexibility and a bit of a broader window to be able to get their cheese out to us. You know, in the past, if your cheese didn't arrive on set on Friday, for whatever reason, it generally got stuck over the weekend. And then um, we were, you know, it's always rough when cheese comes in a little bit warm. We've had a couple of cheesemakers that unfortunately we were not able to let judge because their cheese got stuck. Um, so we're thinking that moving our, um, our whole competition, you know, flipping it where we judge later in the week and receive earlier in the week is certainly gonna help with that. So our committee gets out there, I wanna say it's the 16th. I don't have a calendar in front of me, but I think it's Monday the 16th is when we get out there. That's really when we start to need volunteers. You know, we'll need volunteers Monday through Friday. Um, you know. It's, it's amazing to be out there Thursday and Friday and see the competition in action. Um, you know, for anyone who's never seen it before, I encourage you to come out and help us. Um, and then, uh, I'm trying to think, what else? Those are kind of the big deadlines, I think. I think those are the big ones. Uh, yeah. uh, one thing I was also thinking about, too, in a benefit to the cheesemakers, why this time of year is better, too, is that we've had times where we've been receiving on, like, the hottest day in Iowa and, like, trying to get all of these cheeses in refrigeration as quickly as possible in the dead heat of summer is terrible. So this is going to be nice to be able to um, get these cheeses in in a in a state that they aren't melting already. <laughs> yeah. Especially, you know, like those FedEx trucks are not refrigerated. And, you know, when a FedEx truck pulls up and it's like floored ceiling packed with styrofoam boxes is, um, you know, he, he stopped somewhere beforehand and it's 110 degrees outside, you know, it's really easy for some cheese to cook in a, in a hot FedEx truck. So, um, fingers crossed we won't have a crazy heat wave in, uh, in Minneapolis in May, but that was also a lot of why we picked that location is, you know, it's right in the middle of the country. We want to make sure that, you know, it's easily accessible from, you know, for folks from the West Coast all the way through the East Coast and North and South. So Minneapolis is really a nice hub. Um, and yeah, again, we, we hope it's going to be a cooler time of year for everybody also. We did also actually, you know, the other thing is um, we added a couple new categories this year. So every, every other year we do look at our categories. So cheesemakers, as you enter your cheeses, you know, keep an eye out for a couple of new categories. We have um, a spruce or a, a wrapped category, I think. I forget exactly what we called it, like a spruce wrapped or a, a, essentially a Mondor style 
um, category. Um, I love that more and more cheesemakers are making that style of cheese. Um, it's one of my personal favorites. Same. And so, you know, as we saw more and more entries, um, you know, that were made with, you know, sort of spruce wrap, we decided that it was time to add that category. We've also added a cottage cheese category. Um, and then I think we streamlined a couple of our, our, our sheep's milk and mixed milk categories also. So, um, you know, keep an eye out for a couple of those new categories. We're trying to give cheesemakers as much flexibility and, you know, something as close to what they make to be able to enter and, and get the feedback that they need um, to be able to make better and better cheese. Awesome. Well, I have uh, the quick round that I ask okay. everyone. Current cheese crush. I, I mean, you know, I love Andy Hatch. You know, it's, uh, I'm out there trying to find my first wheel of rush creep right now. I think ours came into our distribution center and left right away. So I'm out hunting down some rush creek. Um, I think what Andy does is absolutely incredible. Um, I just had a little bit of uh, Pleasant Ridge last night. Um, but yeah, I think, you know, what he's doing is really a model for um, what I hope more and more cheesemakers um, can do in the future. What's yours? Oh, um, geez. I mean, right now. not to put you on the spot, but. Um, so I am going to start doing classes with uh, Board at Home and Ray Rumiano. And he sent me some cheeses from the last class that he did. And he sent the Papado dry Jack and I was eating it. And I'm like, this is like potato chips. It's like salt and pepper potato chips. And I just could not stop. So I was really enjoying that. <laughs> nice. Have you, have you been to Rumiano? Have you been to there? No, so actually I'm just, uh, working out the details of coming down for CMI. And I think I'm going to oh, drive nice. so I can, um, yeah stop off and visit places. Cause that's, you know, something I miss incredibly. So, so where they, um, the reason I ask is, um, Oh, or Ray's twin brother, Owen is a good friend of mine. And, um, I was up in Willows with, um, with Owen, uh, before he moved to France a couple of years ago. And, uh, when you go into the Jack room, it's basically, it looks like an old nuclear fallout shelter. It's like this steep t- staircase down into a cave, um, and you know, it smells really musty. It's just kind of one of these old, uh, you know, sort of traditional cheese caves. And Owen was telling us that when, when they were kids, that they used to play hide and go seek and go hide down there. And in particular, when their dad, John was looking for them to go do work, they would go hide down there. And, you know, John had a sense that they were down there and he would just flip the lights off. And so they'd be like in this pitch dark, scary, cold, damp room that is just like, literally looks like a nuclear fallout shelter. That's hilarious. (laughs) Uh, Next one. Favorite pairing. Can be Uh, anything. My favorite pairing right now is it sounds kind of crazy. I did a class a few years ago on unconventional pairings, but um, right now it's, it's Rogue River Blue Tis the Season with Root Beer. I can see that. If you haven't tried it, it's amazing. It like, you know, the, the sort of um, salinity of the cheese brings out a lot of the vanilla flavors in like in a good root beer. So like a good, not too sweet sort of sarsaparilla style. Um, and, you know, a lot of people don't like blue cheese and not, don't really like root beer, but the combination of the two is just absolutely incredible. I love that. I love that. 
somebody needs to make like blue cheese ice cream so that you can do like a blue cheese ice cream float. That, yeah, that sounds pretty amazing. Right. Um, best, <laughs> right. I'm, Get I'm on it, Rogue. Let's do it. <laughs> Get on it. <laughs> um, best cheese memory. And it can be anything from a time you ate cheese to just a time that cheese people got together that just really sticks out in your head, traveling, whatever, just your best cheese memory. Um, so, so my favorite, favorite cheese memory. So, so like I said before, my, uh, my dad is French. Uh, he grew up in Paris and my, my grandparents live in Paris. Um, and so I would go every year, um, around, uh, the, the Salon du Fromage, which is a big trade show in France. And, um, I would come and my grandmother would always get a Mondor. And her favorite thing was to like take, after we ate sort of the entire thing, she'd sort of take the skeleton of it and would just sit there for hours and scrape all the cheese by the rind and eat it. And so I have an old picture of my grandmother with a box of Mondor and a spoon of cheese like in her mouth. But um, yeah, just eating Mondor with my grandmother is like, brings back great memories. That's awesome. Uh, Especially since I just interviewed... Kira, Kira James, um, who is also a Formaggio Kitchen alumni, and her favorite memory was uh, giving her dad and giving giving her family Montior. And so I love that. I love that it all, we all have, you know, these memories, because one of mine is also that I got to go to Besançon and my friend took me to the cheese shop. They bought a big one. They stuffed it with garlic and white wine and baked it until it was just an ooey gooey mess. And it was like the best night ever. It was amazing. Somebody once told me that the way to get like a right mondor is when they wrap it, that the cheese will puff up to, to the surface. And that's when you know that your mondor is the ripest. And I've always sort of like abided by that too. I think it's a great little tidbit for, for folks who are looking for mondor. Uh, it's the best part of uh, the cold weather. <laughs> I know, right? Is the, the gooey, yummy cheeses. Always. Well, is there anything else that people need to know about um, judging and competition? I'll put all of the information of deadlines and websites and whatnot in the show notes so people can access that. But is there anything else that we didn't cover that you think that we need to talk about? Uh, we talked about new categories. We talked about call for entries is open, uh, different time. Um, I think the only other thing is, is you know, um, Enter, come volunteer with us, come see how it's done. You know, if you're interested in judging, we, we feel strongly that being able to see the back end of it is the best way to be able to, you know, set yourself up for judging. We just think it's really important that our judges see sort of the whole context of what we do so that they can appreciate, you know, what our volunteers do and, you know, really, and, and what our cheesemakers do and really execute to the highest level. Um, I have tapped the entire board of directors to come out and volunteer with us. So we are going to put the entire board of the American Cheese Society to work that whole week also. Um, and, you know, regardless of whether you work for a cheesemaker, you're a cheesemonger, you work for a distributor, even if you just love cheese, it's, you know, we're open to everybody. We, we need all the hands that we can get. So uh, please come out and volunteer and uh, cheesemakers enter your cheese. It's, um, you know, now's the time to get that good feedback. You've had two years to perfect your recipes. So, uh, you know, we're expecting to see some outstanding cheese this year. Awesome. Um, Thank you so much for joining me, Rachel. Thank you, Janae. Rachel's dedication and drive for this industry leaves me in constant amazement. 
We're lucky to have someone so motivated to take us to the next level. Thanks, Rachel, for digging in with the ins and outs of what to expect this year at JNC. This podcast is recorded, produced, and edited by me, Janae Muha. Thank you to Ben Muha for allowing me to use your music. Follow along on my cheesy adventures at Instagram, Facebook, or Patreon. My website is also a great place to find everything in one place, plus some fun merch. If you like the podcast, tell a cheesy friend. Thanks for listening, and don't forget to keep spreading the word of good curds.